Welcome to the Otaku Melancholy Podcast, the anime podcast that's also a wandering ronin, traveling through the streets of Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts, waiting for someone to hire us as their blade to kill their boredom and or just need of a podcast, I guess. I don't know, really. My name is Matt, and I'm also known as Podcaster X because I have an X-shaped scar on my face. It's just very small, and you you, you, you can't see it, but it's, it's, it's there. It's there, guys. Well, here we are, once again, another week of podcasting and talking to you about anime. And I decided to mix things up a bit, and by mix things up a bit, I decided that I was going to lean into my hyperfixation for the month, which was Samurai, because I decided I wanted to play Ghost of Tsushima because of the whole PS Plus, PS Plus Extra thing, and I ended up getting it and playing it, and I was like, wow, Samurai are badass. So I ended up playing a lot of that and kind of just getting invested in the whole Samurai feudal sort of um, storytelling, and also, you know, watching slash reading Inuyasha, which is kind of sort of in the same period, but we'll get into that in the uh, in the future. But yeah, I decided that one of the things I really wanted to do was visit some older anime, especially OVAs and stuff that's on VHS, hence why this is called VSS, VHS Ventures, which is where we explore OVAs and older anime that, you know, they were, they were, they were peaking when you had to, you know, shove the cartridge in and just and deal with all that. Not that I had to deal too, with too much of that myself, but I do remember having Disney movies that were that were like that. And, you know, so here we are. We're going to talk about that. And today's subject is going to be Rurouni Kenshin, Trust and Betrayal, or his, it was originally released in the West, Samurai X, Trust and Betrayal. But before we dive into that topic, I'm going to talk a little bit about myself and what's been going on with me. Uh, so obviously, I'm here alone. Audrey isn't here. There is no Audrey. It is just me. But Audrey, just a little update on her situation, has moved in and is trying to get herself settled. So she is doing pretty well, I'd imagine. And we will you know, we'll keep updating you with uh, the Audrey update until she comes back, if she comes back. We're not forcing anything. We're not forcing anything. Nothing's being forced here. We are all cool people, cool cats. Super cash, cool cats in this this business. So, this business this ain't a business, dude. Anyways, we're all super cash about this, and we are just gonna hope for hope for the best. Um, my mother is still. If you listen to last week's episode, she is still um still in the hospital, but things are looking better. Things are looking like they are improving, and that's all we can really hope for. And I'm hoping for a speedy recovery in time for her Fourth of July for her. Hopefully. Not that she particularly cares about 4th of July. I just have set dates on which these things need to get done. You know, very proactive. You know, really need to just get these things off the ground as soon as possible. Really just constantly going forward. Constantly going forward. That's what this is all about. She doesn't have time to be sick. Not not, not according to this itinerary. But in all seriousness, talking a little bit about is what's been going on with me for the past week. Uh, not a whole lot. <laughs> My dude, I feel like I say that every week when it's just me here. Uh, but for real, not a whole lot has been going on with me outside of what happened with my family. I did see my family for the first time in like, I believe six months. And at this point I have grown my hair out a considerable length and I keep it constantly in a bun because I, I don't know, it feels cool. I like it. And 
I saw my grandmother for the first time in six months. She said, oh, what's that on the back of your head? Is that, is that a, one of those buns? And I said, yeah, yeah, Grandma, it's it's the bun. It keeps my hair up. She says, oh, you can let your hair down around me. And I I took it down, and the first thing she did immediately is it hit, hit my shoulders. She said, you just go ahead and put it back up. And then she lectured me on how men are supposed to have short haircuts. And, yeah, so fun, fun for me. Uh, related to anime and things that you might actually care about, I have been still on my manga bullshit, and it ain't stopping. Because Books a Million decided they were going to have a buy two, buy two, get a third free, and I've been buying two and getting thirds plenty of free, just catching up on series that I, I wanted to, to finish and read. And now I just have an excuse because I'm like, well, with two, the cost of two volumes, I could get the third one free. That's a great deal. Can't beat that deal. And so I have bought almost all of the... Sailor Moon Eternal Editions, because those books are nice. I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they are nice. They're really big and on glossy paper, and they have all the color pages. It's a very nice purchase, and it looks good. They're very nice. I like looking at them, although I haven't started reading them yet, because I've already read Sailor Moon. But I can go for a reread, especially when the edition is eternal. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You you get it. You got it. We're good. And I've also been buying these stars, trying to catch up. On that before the final season drops, whenever it drops, if it drops, I know it will drop, but I'm just saying that it's taken a minute, Netflix, you you got all the time in the world to hold hold Stone Ocean from these JoJo fans, I mean, that's a crazy ploy, but you won't give me my, my, furry, my furry shit, no, no, okay, oh cool, not, anyways, speaking for reals, I have also been watching, catching up on my seasonals, I think we'll have a seasonal episode next week, I'm not 200% certain, because certain parties are deciding they wanted to go to Anime Expo, and I don't know, it just feels like they should have really just stayed and done this, but that's, that, I mean, I'm not judging anybody's lack of pro- good priorities, but no, for real, we're hoping that everybody who is going to Anime Expo will be safe, and uh, if you're listening to this on the way back, hey, I hope you did a very good, you had a very good time. Did you, did you, did you give me anything? No? Okay, cool, whatever. I don't care. I'm only, I only thought we were best friends forever. Seriously, uh, be safe. I, I would imagine that the crowds will be absolutely hellish, almost like a legion sort of thing with how many bodies are collided into that small, small building after Anime Expo occurring after COVID. Just, geez, I imagine all the weebs want their news. They want all of that. And I, I just cannot imagine that being any sort of safety. <laughs> but, hey, if you're vaccinated and you feel like you, you feel like you're good, then, hey, go have a fun time. And... I hope that you are doing okay and that you came back safely. And if you didn't come back safely, well then, you know, rest in peace, rest in pieces, rest in whatever, just rest, take some rest, take a take a take a sick day, take a sick leave. So, for real, nothing really spectacular going on. Oh, I got the Sailor Moon vans. I'm looking at the boxes right now. I got three pair. Well, I got two pair, but I'm I'm waiting on deciding for a third. And I have never cared about a shoe so much in my life. I don't wear them. I just, I, I wore both of them once, and I I have bought very expensive shoe cleaning kits because I am very scared of them being scuffed with regular cleaner, and I am in love with these shoes, and I have so far have grained the mental illness to think that I might buy another pair of both, one for walking around and one for just, you know, just to keep forever because I'm so scared of them being dirty. They're really nice shoes, though, and I never really own too many Vans, because I was more of a I was more of a Converse emo. I wasn't really a Vans emo. 
<laughs> and that's that's just the sides we pick in our life. So that's really cool. That's a cool thing that's going on with me, I guess. And I really don't think that's it. I haven't been watching a whole lot of anime on my own except seasonals, and you'll hear about that soon. Um, just so I guess we'll just go ahead and get started with today's topic, Rurouni Kenshin trust and betrayal and now i know what some of you may be thinking you say you're thinking hey isn't this a prequel and is it one of those prequels where you need to see the original show for it to matter and i have to say maybe i have not seen Rooney kenshin i have read three chapters of the manga at this point and i went into this to trust and betrayal absolutely blind and i came away taking a lot from it so this may be one of those prequels that stands on its own i think it does but i know what you're also thinking you're thinking matt i need a synopsis of a rooney kenshin i know nothing about it i have never i don't even know what a kenshin is or a rooney is that like a an extra bent macaroni noodle matt and i have to say maybe possibly so basically this is the prequel to rooney kenshin which is the story of a wandering samurai named Himura Kenshin, who ends up going to a dojo one day and meeting and befriending Kaoru, this woman named Kaoru, and they get on all crazy, wacky misadventures. Or at least that's what the first three chapters are about. So I could be wrong and there could be more to it. But hey, I three chapters, you need to establish a plot. And the less we talk about plotting in the, the mangaka, the better off we'll be. <laughs> if you know, you know. So basically, this prequel, for, for you somewhat history buffs, it takes place at the end of the Tokugawa Shogunate, basically during the Bakumatsu, Bakumatsu Revolution, which is where a bunch of people said, hey, this government sucks, so we're going to overthrow it. And I, if I was more into Japanese history and had studied it more, I think I would have gotten more out of the plot of this anime are not more out of it but there'd be better rewards for some of the references they have because i literally just thought one scene towards the midway part or during the second episode of the series was just a random event but apparently it actually happened which i think is pretty cool so back on to my plot summary for you there is a young little child and he is sold into slavery and bandits come and they say hey free kills and they kill everyone except this boy who is saved by Hiko Seijiro, who is a master of Hiten Mitsurugi, the strongest of all sword forms. And he says, hey, what's your name? And he's like, my name's Shita. And he's like, no, 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 no. This isn't, this isn't Rurouni Shita. It's Rurouni Kenshin. You got a new name. has got to be changed. We got to be on branding here, Samurai X. And so he takes him in and Kenshin learns Hiten Mitsurugi. Which leads into him eventually going off and traveling and becoming a, um, and becoming, uh, basically he works for the Shoshu clan, which was one of the parties that wanted to poison a revolution to up, up in the Tokugawa Shogunate. I am reading part of this off Wikipedia, which explains my sudden growth in vocabulary, but, so, he joins up with them and decides that he is going that he will use his, that he's using his blade to make lives better and revolution makes people's lives better or so he believes and it, it just spirals out into this this um this adventure of him meeting a wo young woman named Tomoe after he murders her husband or fiance and it's a really gripping narrative it is a really in it, it's i I absolutely loved this, and I had no plans 
to love it. I went in just thinking, yeah, samurai, that's cool, katanas and all that. Straight up Jesse Pinkman. Jesse Pinkman. Jesse Pinkman on this. I straight up was like, yeah, samurai, bid. Yeah, straight up. And that's kind of what I went in. And the thing I didn't know about Trust and Betrayal before starting this was it is currently the second highest rated OVA series on Mal behind behind Legend of the Galactic Heroes. And I said, wow, that probably means Legend of the Galactic Heroes isn't so long and boring. Or either that or the people who are fans of it have a lot of free time to just upend and upvote and downvote and just r- r- raise it to the absolute top. I don't know. Answer my question, Dan. Do Legend of the Galactic Heroes, Gal- Galactic Heroes fans have a lot of free time? This guy will know. Uh, so I didn't. I went in thinking this was just going to be maybe even a mid sort of samurai tale because I saw Studio Dean. And if you know anything about me and Studio Dean, we are not exactly on friendly relations because of some of the anime I watched by them that just failed to excite and otherwise left me disappointed almost as if I never had watched an anime before at all and then they made I I watched Konosuba and I was thinking to myself this is this is bad this is great this is badass and then it was Studio Dean so maybe you know they don't knock it out they don't they don't they don't just swing and hit a foul ball every time sometimes maybe they get a triple play and this is definitely a triple play this is a home run Konosuba is a triple play though but you kind of go in, if you don't know anything about Rooney Kenshin like I do, I'd imagine that you would get less out of it. I don't know. I looked up reviews after finding out that this was the second highest OVA series because I left it and I said that was that was some beautiful animation in the first two episodes. And then after that, it was, here's some digital water. Here's some digital fire. We have, we have ruined our budget, which... Just in my opinion, my humble opinion, it feels a little bit like that. I I don't necessarily know if that's true. But the first, the first moments of Aruni Kenshin Trust and Betrayal will immediately hook you just with the excessive violence and the rampant just sort of action that occurs. And I don't think from that moment on it will loosen its grip on you just because of the storytelling and the intrigue that follows Kenshin. Or the Bodosai, the Manslayer, as he is known at this time, and it's it's really interesting to me because if you're if you're any sort of fan of anime, you probably have at least a little bit of awareness of Kenshin, be it for the good ways or for the bad ways. That's their mangaka for the mangaka. You you have some knowledge, I would imagine. It's it always seemed to me. Because it was on Toonami, wasn't it? I, I feel like it was on Toonami or something of that sort. But I never watched it because I've never been particularly entranced by Samurai Tales and that sort of story until now. And I would like to thank Ghost of Tsushima for saying when I can play as a samurai, I will suddenly become invested in samurai because I am a narcissist. And if I am the samurai, then samurai must be very important. This is all a joke, of course. So I went into Kenshin and I had no expectations. And I actually had a little bit of heightened expectations with this because I have a little bit of a history with Kenshin. And it all goes back to J-Star's victory victory versus plus because Kenshin was my main in that game. And I used to play it with Silent Kitten a lot and he would play as Akainu and we would, it was, 
it was one of those games that was an on it was an absolute garbage fest the, the basically you picked certain characters were guaranteed to win just because of how their abilities worked but i liked kenshin because i loved his voice i i loved his attacks they were so cool and i didn't know how they worked because i said oh this is a realistic samurai he can't shoot power beams and he can't do do like meta, metaphysical sort of science slashes he just cuts with the sword and then suddenly he was doing stuff like making tornadoes and all and i was like wow that's cool why does he do this i'm not going to investigate anymore but he keeps saying a lot of things about mitsurugu 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 Hiten mitsurugi you stupid idiot man learn you got it in your notes you even got the pronunciation in your notes and speaking of pronunciation in your notes i'm gonna go go ahead and whip out this japanese i practiced for the intro that i apparently didn't use anyways rooney kenshin also known as meiji kinkaku romantan suiko hin i i practiced that so i was at least gonna say it it's irrelevant to the podcast at this point because you already know the name of the anime but i practiced on it for at least a minute and I'm, I'm not letting any of my time go to waste as it relates to content in this podcast. So, I don't want to, normally when we do reviews and discussions, we kind of just go through the entirety of the anime and break it down and just basically ruin the whole plot for you. And I think that might not be the best thing in the world, at least as it concerns me talking to myself, because what am I going to say? There's nothing interesting I have to say about this to myself i'm a very boring conversationalist with myself but there's just a lot of moments in kenshin that hit me hard and i really want to just enforce that this is an anime that you should watch i feel like it's well deserved of where it is on mal that said mal's an absolute joke except for the fact that i think kaguya sama season three is still number one on it and at which point if that's the case then no mal's not a joke mal is very serious so if you are a fan of samurai flicks, I, I've watched a few now that I've become... It's my samurai summer. I have seen a couple of uh, Kurosawa films because those are basically the ones that you have to watch. It's mandatory. And there is a certain rampant violence that Kenshin employs in this anime. And at first, you may think you may think to yourself, it's leaning on that gratuitous sort of nature to entertain. And that's kind of what... I went into thinking, I went into thinking that when there was a lot of blood, there was a lot of gore, there was a lot of head slashing, people bleeding out, crying uh, while they were bleeding, I thought to myself, this is really gratuitous. This is really excessive in its display of violence for the sake of entertainment. But I reached the point at the end of Kenshin's journey, at the end of this, at this end of this anime, and I said, oh, that was actually trying to show how heinous violence really is and how rough and how much that Kenshin has not learned that violence cannot fix and attain peace for himself and for everyone else and that's really artistically striking to me because this anime is by no means a sort of artsy anime that wants you to appreciate everything that's going on and just savor the aesthetic and yet at the same time there are a variety of scenes where it feels like almost, it doesn't feel like nothing is happening, but there are just moments where Tomi, Tomoe, the woman that Kenshin sort of um, fakes a marriage with to avoid being caught by the shogunate, there are moments where 
and they're just walking and talking, especially when they're trying to pretend to be husband and wife. And you can feel that sort of silent connection joining them together. And it, it really highlights that Kenshin is at this point in the story, he thinks he knows what he's can do. What he thinks he knows that violence can be a resolution to obtain to obtain peace and to obtain a better world. But he hasn't fully grasped that that is not, in fact, how he himself can progress his future. And so, these scenes where he's bonding with Tomoe and they're kind of reaching this silent romance. It's they they have a relationship. Tomoe of course, begins sort of very... She doesn't actively hate Kenshin, but she is aware that Kenshin is the Badosai who murdered her fiancé, who stole her happiness. And there is a really lovely scene that happens right on the end of the fourth episode. This is only four episodes long, so with 29 minutes for each episode. But there is a scene that occurs at the last, the last episode where she laments that Kenshin stole her happiness but in turn gave her a new happiness. And it's really, this last episode hit me super hard in the feels. And I'm talking really, not in the way where I was crying excessively, but there, was a, there were some tears shed, but not excessively. There was just this sort of melancholy to the fact that this situation, this situation has occurred Kitchen has lost a lot. He has he is changing himself. And there's a certain melancholy to the way he is now. Or it's because I while this podcast is called Talk of Melancholy, that's all for aesthetic purposes and intentions. This isn't really a sad boy anime podcast, or at least I don't think it is. So there's a certain melancholy to how Kenshin is now and that's not a bad thing he's not sweepy or sad he's just sort of forlorn in a light way to how things have gone and it's really it's just like I was saying it really hit hard especially when he gets a scar because this is basically just how Kenshin got the scar the anime which I'd imagine it's really important because the scar is the most icon, one of the most iconic parts of Kitchen outside of his his blade. However, that said, it, it is the scar story is important, but how he gets the scar, really, I don't know how he got the last. He he basically gets two scars, one from one from the fiance and one from Tomoe, and. I, I'm not trying to excessively spoil for you, although this is at this point like almost a 30-year-old anime. So, you know, maybe maybe one of us isn't doing our job. It's 20, 23, 24 years old now. You, you shouldn't, it's not almost 30. It, it's getting close, though. So, the the fact he gets the sec- his scars from the same sort of, from a fiancé, two pairs of fiancés, two pairs of fiancés, I don't think that's how marriage works, Matt, but basically from a a want-to-be husband and a want-to-be wife, and they leave markings on his soul, that is really, that's, oh, that's that good stuff, that's them good feels, and I don't understand why exactly he got the second scar, because it's just a weird little moment where, I'm dying, let me cut your face, and... I don't know if there's like an it was an intention on Tomoe to leave another mark to adjourn wit to sort of 
be with her past fiance. I don't know if that was some symbolism. I don't know. I'm not smart. I'm just... I just talk a lot. That doesn't make me any sort of smart. But that's kind of what it felt like to me because Tomoe doesn't convey why she does it. She just does it. And it, it, it hurts. It's it's just a beautiful moment. I don't want to spoil it for you just on the off chance you haven't seen this anime. Or you're just... If you're not interested in Kenshin, the main series, especially since I've heard that the third season just goes off the rails and is absolute garbage, I recommend this. I recommend this just from so much of these scenes just hitting hard. The action hits hard. There's scenes of just resolute sort of violence, like I said, that are beautifully animated, but help to convey this theme of Kenshin and violence isn't the answer. And I like that. I like that. I like using the thing to disproving to disprove the thing. That's that's cool. So I will go over a few more plot points because I'm thinking like I've talked a lot and it's only 25 minutes in and that's that's not a whole lot of content. So Kenshin joins up as I said earlier with the Shoshu clan under what I think his name is Takasu. It's not Takasu. It's something similar. I think, or Katsura. Katsura is a Katsura. Who is an actual person. This is the weird thing, is that I am on the Wikipedia page, and they have the highlight, you know, if you go to Wikipedia, they have highlighted things. You know, highlighted, the Tokugawa is highlighted. I, I hover over that, and it shows me that, hey, this was the period where, also known as the Edo Shogunate, and I say, cool, I could learn about that if I want. I could go and highlight the Shoshu clan, and it will tell me all about the Shoshu clan. Or I can highlight uh, I can highlight Studio Dean and it'll say, yep, Studio Dean. But if I highlight these some of these characters like Katsura Kogoro, who is the leader of the Shoshu clan, it says, hey, that's an actual person. And I don't know why, but that feels weird to me that they basically said, yep, he, he knew Kitchen. Yep, this is this is Kitch's bro. This was Kitch's friend, and uh, it's, it's then I then I go over and I highlight over other names, and they're like, "Oh, those are fictional characters." So, what is real and what is fake? I don't know. It just feels like there's so many characters that are actually real people. That feels weird to me. I don't know why, but it's it's kind of like playing Assassin's Creed Three, which has actual, you know, like George Washington. And all those, uh, all those characters, real fit people from history, Matt, who interact with the main character of Assassin's Creed 3 and basically said, like, oh, yeah, Paul Revere's Midnight Ride, yeah, he had another helper with that. It wasn't all him. He actually kept, he had British people attacking him, and this, this assassin stopped them, you know, the, all that kind of thing. George, George Washington didn't do, it, didn't do it by himself. It was the assassins. So... I don't. I don't know why that feels weird to me when real people are involved in fictional con, like fictional stories. It just like did you did you get approval? I don't know. I don't know if you did. Did this? Would this person really do this? Yeah, I just. I just. I just feel like you. You're being a little bit disrespectful. I'm pretty sure they didn't hold their sword that way. So. <clears throat> I don't know. It's just something that's interesting to me. It makes me want to study up on Japanese history, but not too much because my American brain struggles to remember names. And speaking of names and highlighting things in Wikipedia, so in episode two, there is this scene where basically, uh, 
where basically the Shoshu clan gets raided by the Shinsengumi, who are basically they're like the police force of Japan during this time period. And they go and raid this hotel that they're or this motel that they're staying at. And it's a really cool scene where it's in the dark and you're getting a lot of these sort of flare where you're seeing the Shinsegumi absolutely whoop the Shoshu clan's ass. But I said, Oh, that's that's cool and apparently this was a real thing that happened called the Ikedeya incident where a bunch of she, the Shishi or Shinsegumi, whatever, basically raided this hotel after they got um they got some information from someone they interrogated. And I I like I like I like that. I like that. I like historical events being portrayed in in anime and just in TV. That's kinda cool. But but it, it, did you make the historical figures act appropriately? Didn't nah, I don't feel that. That's weird. I'm just being picky. I'm just it's it's so it's just weird to me. The, but I like it when I like it when fictional characters are involved in real life events. But I don't like it when real life event real life people are involved with fictional characters. There is a fine line that I will not cross, and that is it. After so, all that, these fictional characters sort of intertwining in this real world. And what is, is what is can what is Kitchen really really doing in this world? It, doing a whole lot. Doing a whole lot. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But I, I feel like after all of these events and after it finally becomes its own story, it hits it hits just these notes that like I was talking about earlier just really resonated with me and really hit me hard emotionally. And I was saying earlier that I feel like, or I think I said earlier, I don't know where I am, the dementia has set in at my young age. I, I recall earlier saying that I think this could stand, stand alone. And apparently just judging off what critics say some believe that no you're going to be missing some fun little fun little sneak peeks at Rooney Kenshin the TV show and what happens in the future and i say i don't care because i if i if they were important then it would have ruined the experience but never in a moment did anything really just strike me as odd now there was a scene at the end where the traitor of the Shoshu clan who basically sets them up and gets them raided and all that is encountered by a mysterious assassin who kills them and everybody goes oh yeah we've got a new assassin and the way he is standing there in the in the darkness and just covered coated in black i look at that and i say you're trying to tell me that this is another important character that you that you want me to say oh that's the guy so i think it is fire dude i have no idea who fire dude is what fire dude does but there's just a dude from J-Star's Victory Versus Plus and Jump Force who is covered in bandages and uses fire. And I think it's that guy. Fairly certain it's that guy. I don't know. But you know what? I think think it was. think it is. So I don't think there's a lot of things that will just set up that you would really be remiss if you hadn't seen the original Rune Kenshin. I feel like this stands on its own fairly well. And... There's nothing really here that's just detrimental if you haven't seen the original. I assume you'll get more out of it, but that's always the case. You're going to get more out of seeing the prequel trilogy of Star Wars if you had seen you know, the original trilogy. But that's just the case. But a good prequel, and this is just my take on this, I don't know if this is exactly the cons- common consensus on it, but a good prequel, if it is written in a way that can enter- that is just competent, can be entertaining without having seen the original source material. And 
trust and betrayal really succeeds at that. There is no moment where I felt I was missing anything. There was no moment where I said, if only I had more experience with Kenshin, then this would be more resonating. But just having a base knowledge and reading like a couple of chapters forever ago, I said, this is not the Kenshin I know because the first three, first volume of Kenshin is very lighthearted. The violence when it occurs is very quick and swift, but this kind of savors some of the violence, especially with more of the the bloody scenes and the manga kitchen now you could just account that to the mangaka not knowing what they're doing at the start and i'm going to account that to that and i don't think they know know what they're doing in general because of some of their actions but this isn't the bash that mangaka podcasts or this is not that episode to do that it could be could be later when if we talked about separating art from the artist which is something i wanted to talk about but it's one of those things that um i never know exactly if that is going to elicit rage or just verbal violence because can't handle that because some people can separate it some people can't and I struggled I'm struggling I struggled to kind of do that during the original Kenshin manga because I thought yeah Kenshin's talking about honor and stuff but uh I know what the guy who wrote that does so uh not feeling too good about that Kenshin so however I think that this original this trust and betrayal is its own sort of unique entity and not handled by that person exclusively. So I, I feel like it fits within being that gray area where I can say, yeah, this is cool. I don't feel bad about it. And that is how this this anime really is. It doesn't feel, and this is just the point I'm trying to make, and I'm going to dance around it all day long. It doesn't feel like the original. It feels like something not something new, something new to its own. And it, I don't think it relies on the original source material for you to get entertainment out of it. And that's the important thing to me is that it stands alone. Because there's so many, while I was doing research and trying to understand, like, oh, the most popular OVAs ever. A lot of the most popular OVAs, at least on Mal, are just things that got bundled in with, you know, volume 17 of this manga includes this OVA. And I don't think that's doing a whole lot for anyone when you include it with a book. Just my humble opinion there, because I'm not I'm not in that group of people who were really, you know, I wasn't into anime, possibly not even, like, born, or at least coherent, when it was kind of popular just to drop OVAs on video, and you would get a new, a new high-quality anime every four to six, you know, every three to six months, and that's what this was. This was released in 1999. But it was released in February 20th and finished on September 22nd, which means at least every couple of months, Studio Dean just released a new video. And that's kind of cool to me. Don't get me wrong. As much as I would love to just consume and consume and just drown myself in anime, because I totally do that every day, I, I like the prospect of spending a couple months, a longer time to really work on this, maybe make you savor and anticipate the next episode, and just build up that quality and that expectation. And I, I really hoping that this this format of VHS Ventures, we can go into more OVAs, more series that are like this, because it, it, it's it's it was a good, it was really good. It was really good. It was really fun. And I I just don't know. I haven't watched too many OVAs myself that I from that sort of time period. Because fun fact about this, this was actually released I think on the tail end of the VHS's life cycle. So it was released in VHS format as well as DVD format. And when it was released over here by ADV, they said, no, but nobody cares about, nobody cares about kids. Samurai X this, bada bing, bada boom, print money. 
shortly before they went out of business, of course. And I actually went to Second and Charles a week or two ago. And this is kind of, I, I became aware of this from Second and Charles because they had one of the box sets from ADV in a, in the anime section. But the Second and Charles that, if you don't know, is basically a resell store in a way they sell new things but they also have a lot of they resell like dvds and blu-rays and manga and they had um they had this on the shelf and i said oh samurai x looks like kitchen and then i read and i said oh it it, it is kitchen so that and that think that's kind of the purpose of this anime isn't it this is not kitchen this is not the kitchen that is popularized in the pages of shonen jump yet this is a violent kitchen who has no sort of concern of life he just takes it and you see it in his face you see it in his eyes and it's not just the animation that really conveys this he looks totally different and they really i feel like there was an active effort by the studio to say this is a completely different time this is a completely different story and so they just didn't try they tried to stray away from that tv sort of style that they had that it was had been set up because this was released after the original tv series and i think that just only enhances what i'm trying to make a point of is that this is something that stands alone and that is really good it's really good the art is amazing the animation while i wasn't a fan of the the water superimposed <laughs> superimposed and all that and where water should be and of the fire that was to superimpose on things that were burning there were just so many scenes where I was enthralled to an extreme degree with what was going on and the blood was there and it was beautifully it was beautifully bloody drawn <laughs> I really don't know I really don't know what I'm saying too much I'm trying to say of how good of a time I was but I'm trying to avoid spoilers I don't feel like this is very productive to this being any sort of quality <laughs> But I hope you're enjoying it regardless. The basic point I'm trying to make is to watch Rurouni Kenshin, Trust and Betrayal, or Samurai X. Trust and Betrayal if you are only caring about the ADV, uh, the ADV release. So, I just don't really know where else I can go from here. I, I feel like I might be talked out already. Because there's only so much I can tell you without just hard spoilers. There's only so much I can convey to you. And I don't really have... A whole lot to jump off on and discuss because there's no there's nobody here. It's just me. And I know I like it. I don't have anything to say that to say that, oh man, I didn't like that. I liked it. I had a great time. It was phenomenal. I recommend it to family, friends, and people who owe me money. And it was a short four episode long. There's not a whole lot for me to talk about. So I feel like I'm kind of wrapped up on this. But at the same time, I still want to keep talking about it. And I'm going to talk about it just for a little bit more. And then we can just say that this was a quickie, a quickie little episode. You can just go home, go back to your go back to your loving wives and children and husbands and children and just children and children. But I really feel like I don't I'm not I have no sort of connection to the hive mind of anime opinion because it feels like sometimes there's a consensus opinion that you might be out of the loop for with some anime if you're not too sort of grounded to what is popular and what isn't. And 
like I like I mentioned earlier, I never saw this on Tsunami. I didn't know it was on Tsunami. And then I heard the English version of the OP and I said, Oh yeah, that is Tsunami as fuck boy. And I was just surprised that this isn't something that remains kind of in the public consciousness in the same way that, you know, Yu Yu Hakusho, Dragon Ball Z kind of does. Because, obviously, like I've said, I haven't seen the original series, but Samurai, this OVA, is so sort of a stellar sort of... It's such a stellar piece that I'm surprised that with the original anime didn't sort of catch on because I get all these kind of ads for these streetwear brands that are like, we're collaborating with Yu Yu Hakusho, we're collaborating with Sailor Moon, we're collaborating with all this. Well, what this... This was even before that was revealed about what the mangaka was doing. It still never felt like you were seeing Kenshin merch all on the shelves. You weren't seeing too much of that. And yeah, it could be a difference in culture. Samurai culture, that sort of old Japanese, um, that sort of old Japanese story stories set in that sort of time period. Maybe they just aren't as popular because there's so many, tr- so many rituals and activities that just don't make sense to a modern Western audience. And I doubt to a modern Japanese audience, maybe. I don't know. But it couldn't be as popular as these other series. But that, that just feels unfair. Because I'm enjoying what I've seen. I'm reading the manga again. And I enjoy Kenshin. I just have to disconnect myself from the creator. So I just am curious why it didn't catch on. In the same way that these other anime sort of did. Because Trust and Betrayal... Absolutely love spoilers. I gave it. I give it a nine out of ten. Nine point five. Honestly, I just some of the wonky animation just sticks in my mind because I'm such a stickler for that kind of crap for no reason, and it's just befuddling to me why this didn't really catch on in that same sort of vein. But I have no connection to that high of mind. And again, I've heard that the third season of Kitchen absolutely blows and sucks absolute big dolphin ass. So, there's that, and that's, that is what it is, and I don't know, I don't know, I just, I just wish that I had more, I just wish that I had more to kind of really discuss, I'm sorry if this episode is a lot shorter, I just have nothing to bounce off on, except me saying how good this anime is, there's no... And there's no drama in just saying how great an anime is, because I know it's great. You're going to know it's great when you watch it. I would tell you streaming services to watch it on, but you're kind of going to either have to find a DVD version or, you know, hoist hoist the sails and go to some pirating seas to actually watch this, which is, it's just, it's kind of lame. I really wish there was better, that maybe anime was treated a little bit more like art and we did better to preserve and make sure that license didn't fall out of just usage, so that if you wanted to watch this, you didn't have to sell it, risk someone saying, hey, that's my IP, that's my intellectual property, I'm mad, suing you, goodbye, or just risking getting a cool, nifty virus that absolutely destroys your computer, but you've got to you've got to do it. So I wish there was more, I, I really wish there was more of a preservation act into going into anime, at least for for non-Japanese areas, but I don't know if there is. I mean, there's all kind of preservation for video games and such. Maybe there should be a little bit more work on anime preservation because even thinking about it now, which is really sad to me, is that some of these seasonals that I, I watch, 
now in 10 years are going to be completely irrelevant. They will be then vanished off the earth from the modern sort of, um, the, the modern anime watcher's mind as anime is pumped right into their brain with the new Crunchyroll chip. So, I just, I just, I think, I think preservation would be nice. That's what I think. I'm getting kind of a hoarse throat from talking so much to myself. But, Rooney Kitchen, Chester Betrayal. I was hoping we could do more Samurai Summer, but I, I just don't think that's going to be possible. I don't think, I don't think Samurai Summer is going to be really possible with just the seasonals that are coming out that I want to talk about. Because we've got a new waifu war, a new, the new waifu war is coming out. So, gotta, gotta, you know, really enlist, enlist in that army and fight for the good fight of Ruka. And I'm going to die on that hill again. Even though I don't like Rena Girlfriend, I'm still going to die on that Ruka hill. I don't give a fuck. So, hopefully, uh, I'll see you there in the trenches. And speaking of seeing the trenches, yeah, Ernie Kitchen, Trust and Betrayal, solid, solid 9 out of 10 anime. <laughs> my throat's absolutely hoarse, my dudes. But for serious, thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. Thank you for all the support you've given us. And I'm going to be done now, and my voice will be fading out. Thank you once again, guys. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Otaku Melancholy Podcast. You can go to our website at otakumelancholy.com to see all our past, present, and future episodes, as well as get links to all our social media, including Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also join the Discord to continue the conversation. And if you like this podcast, the best thing you can do to support it is to share it with your friends, family, co-workers, strangers on the bus, people who owe you money, and just everyone else you may meet in your week. Thank you once again for listening. Gambate.